Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Beyond the Cover. I am your host, John Robb, joined here by my colorful co-host, Jeff Ayers. Jeff, how you doing? Doing great. Happy evening to you. Happy evening. Yes, uh, we're coming here now to the end of summer. We're rounding into the fall time now, so the, hopefully the heat is behind us a little bit. But we're going to have some heat coming here on the show, a little bit apocalyptic heat maybe. Uh, we're going to have author Daniel Krause talking to us. He just wrote uh, the next book, George A. Romaro, of course, Nine Living Dead, called The Living Dead. Uh, so we're going to be speaking with Daniel about that in just a second. I want to remind everybody that all of our shows are brought to you by Suspense Magazine, so please make sure you visit suspensemagazine.com for more information. And don't forget that on November 17th, we have our anthology coming out calling Nothing Good Happens After Midnight with none other than Jeffrey Deaver, Linwood Barkley, Reese Bowen, Heather Graham, John Lestois. So many great authors are included in this anthology. You guys are going to love it. November 17th, hardcover paperback, audio, Kindle. It'll be, there. It'll be ready for you. But without any further ado... Let's get into our guest, Jeff. You ready to roll? I'm excited. This will be fun. All right. We got all that out of the way. So, Daniel, we want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. We took us a couple times to get on. We had a couple mishaps on our end, uh, and we finally got to nail this down. So that's good. We're very pleased to be speaking with you tonight. Um, very honored, of course, to be speaking with you. Uh, you know, we're going to be talking here about the living dead and everybody's synonymous names, of course, George A. Romaro. The first time I remember it was Creepshow. Uh, I remember when I was a little kid watching Creepshow. I think I was like 10, 11 years old, with, had the Stephen mm-hmm. King stories in there. Um, so tell us a little bit about The Living Dead and kind of how you were able to get with George. And, you know, he passed away in 2017, God rest his soul. And uh, tell us how this adventure happened. Well, I had a very similar situation to you. I, uh, I mean, I'll jump back for a moment, but I did also see Creepshow when I was probably nine or ten years old or something to that degree uh, when it played on HBO, and I didn't have HBO at the time, but my neighbor did. And I, uh, I remember being just so startled by it, and it, it took me probably another few years to figure out that it was directed by George A. Romero. And that name did mean something to me because when I was only five or six years old, I saw Night Living Dead and uh, continued to watch it with my mom throughout the years. It was a it was a the formative movie of my my life, um, and it just it changed who I was, um, and it changed certainly the artist that I would become eventually. Uh, so. I mean, there's there's a very long version of this, but the short version is, fast forward, God, 40 years? I don't know, maybe not that many, but uh, many years. And uh, suddenly, um, you know, I'm a, a novelist and uh, never really stopped being inspired by George Romero's works um, and remained a student of his. And, you know, was was really, you know, broken up by his death in 2017. He was my favorite artist, period. And then I got a call about a month later, um, kind of out of the blue, from his wife and manager. And they they told me that they had this manuscript that George had been working on for 10 years 
I don't know, uh, the zombie epic. Of course, he made all sorts of films, but he was most well-known for his his zombie films. He sort of created the idea, the modern idea of the zombie mm-hmm. in 1968 with Mad Living Dead and then Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead and so on. So he had, he had been uh, working on this gigantic book that was sort of the capstone of of that saga. And they, they asked me if I would like to take a stab at finishing it. And he was my absolute hero. So, yeah, I took a stab. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and I like how you well, say, yeah, I, I mean, I like you say big manuscript because the one thing, sorry, Jeff, just real quick, because... Uh, because I got the book here in front of me and I'm holding it, and literally I could use it to beat a zombie to death. <laughs> yeah, big. Big is like 650 pages. Yeah, and I think, but I think that was part of his. Of course, it wasn't that big, you know, when I got the original manuscript. But uh, it seemed evident to me that he was going for something truly epic here, and part of the reason for that was that. He never got to do that in his movies. He got close a couple times, but his budgets were always slashed at the last moment, and he had to rewrite scripts for, you know, on a, at a smaller scale. And this book was where he could put all of his giant set pieces that he never got to do. Um, so it became kind of the depository for all of his frustrations with film, really. Nice. Wow. I, I'm curious why the concept of zombies scares us so much. Yeah, I mean, I think different people will give you different answers, but I think there's something, you know, typically monsters are a, a finite thing. You know, you've got Godzilla or Dracula or something. Uh, zombies are the opposite of that. They're they're not they're not a monster. A zombie is not really that too much of a problem. Uh, they're pretty easy to uh, evade, and uh, they're not particularly dangerous. And there's but there's no one zombie. The zombie is scary because it is a mass, and it is a growing mass, and it's one that uh, has no particular malice to you. It is instead of being representing some. Uh, more aggressive, pointed fear. It's more of a fear of inevitability. You know, zombies kind of feel like death itself, like it's coming. You can't stop it. It's growing all the time. You know, as you get older, every time you look over shoulder, you know, death is coming closer. It's sort of like the masses of zombies swelling up. And I think there's something scary about the facelessness of a zombie. Uh, they have no one face. They, they have everyone's face. They have your face. You know, like they're, we're all in a zombie attack situation. We all get absorbed into one thing. Um, I, I'm also curious um, when you were given the opportunity to work on Living Dead. What what point did you look at the stuff he that he had? And you felt like I were you surprised, overwhelmed? Talk a bit about that moment. Um, well, I mean, there was this the larger surprise of just being asked to do it. I mean, that was that was quite shocking and uh, ridiculous in its in its own way. But um, 
Yeah, there was there was a lot to process. There was the the manuscript. There was everything I knew about him, and then it would go on to learn about him through a few months of research. Um, uh, and that research, you know, spanned everything from watching all of his movies and commentary tracks to listening to all his interviews, um, reading all his interviews, reading analyses of his work, and talking to his wife and finding out what his favorite movies and books and music was and then studying those things too so that I could feel like I was being inspired by the art that inspired him. So I was really trying to get inside of his head. But the, the, once we had all the pieces of manuscript and they sort of came in waves, like we originally thought we had, you know, a certain chunk. And then as, after I was working on it for a while, we found another chunk. And then after we was, well, I was, uh, well, after that, we found this uh, document that outlined where he was going with some of the plot threads, things that we hadn't known before. So things were kind of coming from all over. Uh, and the material we had for him wasn't by any means uh, limited to the, the beginning of the book. So we had stuff that belonged somewhere in the middle. We had stuff that belonged at the very end. And so it was it was very complicated in that sense. It would have been much simpler if he had just written half the book and stopped. But instead, we had all of these. Uh, oh, oh yeah, it was. I mean, it would have been way simpler because then you'd know exactly what you had. Right. And, you know, he sort of passes the baton and you finish the, the story. This was all over the place. Um, so it was more like I had these dots that I had to connect. Um, and there was a lot of open space between some of those dots. And so I had to come up with things that felt like they honored his work and his philosophy, um, but still, still made for a fluid uh, coherent story that felt as if it came from, you know, you always want, you know, co-authored book to feel like it, it's seamless. That feels like a product of one, one mind. So you kind of got a big chaotic outline. Yeah, I mean, to it a was, sense, right? Yeah, I had to create, I had to really create a long, detailed outline before I started. Because I, I, it was sort of like a gap-tooth grin. You know, I had certain parts of it that were in place. And then I had to figure out, uh, you know, how, how do I bridge all these islands? And so the only way to do that, with a tremendous amount of information that I had discovered and uncovered during my research, was to plan up front. Uh, because it was going to be such a, a massive book, I could tell that from the beginning, that you really didn't want to mess up and spend 500 pages going the wrong direction. Um, so, yeah, uh, there were massive outlines, massive timelines, documents that I made that were sort of my zombie guidelines. Uh, so when I watched his films again, I took note of everything that a zombie did and didn't do so that there would be no question about it. I had it all in one place. You know, what? And then one of the things that we dug up was an old short story that he had written for his, his short-lived website back in 2000 that was totally lost. And it 
had a story that was from the point of view of a zombie and really had a lot of information to give about how zombies sense things, how they touch and how they feel and how they taste. So I was also constantly keeping track of all that kind of stuff. So The Walking Dead, of course, is a very big show that's on AMC. If you think that if George were to have done and directed that show, how different do you think it would have been? Oh, it would have been vastly different. Um, he was not a huge fan of The Walking Dead. Um, uh, I think he thought it was, you know, at some point he referred to it basically as a soap opera with, with zombies. And, and he was, his, his interest... I was done after, like, season two. And the reason was because I was like, why is it everybody that they meet wants to kill them? Don't they realize that the zombie's the enemy and <laughs> not the people that are, like, not zombies? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, I, I mean, that, that, that part of it, though, it does have some root in Romero. I mean, you know, his, all of his zombie movies were, were really not about the zombies at all. Uh, the zombies were just a placeholder for whatever was going on was, that was acting as a catalyst for human um, problems. So he, he would have come at it at a much more metaphorical, or I don't have to say could, he did in his movies in this book. He did come at it at a much more metaphorical angle. So he would say the zombies represent, uh, you know, very cla- you know, in a classic sense, as everyone who knows Romero knows, you know, Dawn of the Dead was sort of a parable about consumerism in the in the 70s and Day of the Dead was about the militarization of uh, American society in the, in the 80s. So he had this, he, he was able to recognize the zombies precisely because there's this, this faceless mob, more or less, that he could use them to, as a blank slate on which to, to talk about various American um, social issues, basically. So he would have he would have come from it and did come from it from that angle always. I think he always had a philosophy that began the story, and then he built he built the horror story of it around the idea he wanted to to communicate. Wow, um, I'm reminded of a comedian I was watching who said. Um, the way to stop a zombie is to just uh, put up a chain link fence. But um, <laughs> yeah, that, that that worked for a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the one of the things I love about your work is you work with other visionaries, and I wanted to ask you about Guillermo del Toro because uh, you worked with him on both Troll Hunters and The Shape of Water, and so I'm wondering if you could talk a bit about him as well and. How did it feel seeing your words come to life both on the big screen and on Netflix? Well, it's, you know, I mean, books and films are so, they're so different. They feel so different to me. In the case of uh, Shape of Water, the book and film were created sort of simultaneously. So there's a certain similarity that was going to exist um, in that uh, but even in that, those two mediums, there's there's quite a bit of difference. There's just something 
there's no way a, a, like a two-hour movie uh, and a book that's going to take you, you know, two weeks to read. There's just there's no way this is ever going to feel really similar. Um, in the case of Troll Hunters, we're talking about a book that Guillermo and I wrote um, that was then later adapted to a TV show, and it's radically different. Um, a lot of the same characters and the same uh, the same general idea, but everyone's much younger. It's for a much younger audience, um, so tonally, it's it's quite different. Uh, but you know, I don't. I don't, I'm one of those weird people who doesn't get, like, starstruck at all. I don't have that, I'm missing that gene. And that kind of carries over to seeing my stuff on TV or film. Like, it's, it's, uh, it's fascinating, it's interesting, it's, uh, I like the idea of working in different mediums. But it doesn't, it, I, it doesn't, like, I don't, my head doesn't explode from excitement from it, though. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's much more, like, I have a much more even-keeled sort of take on those things, like, uh, it's similar to when I have a book come out. Uh, I generally uh, don't think too much about the release. Um, it, it's a little different with Living Dead because I'm I was, I'm representing the you know Romero estate here, so I'm I'm very much plugged into the release of it. But generally, a release of a book is almost an irritation, uh, you know, because I'm trying to work on something else and I've moved on, and. You know what the fun part for me is really just the writing of it. Um, and although I, I, you know, do like to talk about the books, uh, it's 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 not as nothing beats the writing to me. That's that's where I get something out of it. And the, the reaction to the books, everything that happens happens after that. And the same with movies and TV. It's so out of my control. Um, and it, although it's certainly of interest that reaction. It's by it's definitely not anywhere near that my primary interest. Okay, I got you. I lost my co-host. No, oh, you're gonna have to wait. <laughs> no, you didn't. Um, co-host still oh, here. <laughs> Sorry, I had myself oh. on mute. Forgot I had myself. I had myself on mute because there was a train that went by. No. So what I was asking was. Is this the last zombie book that will have George A. Romero's name on it? Well, I mean, I, I can't read the future, but um, I would say... I, well, I guess that they express any interest to keep a series going. Well, I think, I think there's a lot of interest. Okay. Because um, it would be his estate. His wife and his estate would want to keep it going. Well, I mean... I. I think everyone's open to it. Uh, I've definitely never written a book where so many people have asked me about um, continuing the the story or the universe. The, the issue is is that I would feel most comfortable doing that if I was working with um, more text, more George Romero text. Um, and right now, I just don't think there there is much. Um, there, there are certain things that were left on the cutting room floor and various other little things here and there. But I, I have yet to encounter any major piece of zombie writing uh, that's left. So, you know, if the story would be continued, it, it'd have to be kind of an offshoot, you know? It, it'd be something that wasn't really by him. It'd have to be sort of inspired by 
you know, there could be, I mean, I guess you could do a whole line of books that were inspired by this book that took place in the world of this book. But um, until we find that other, you know, piece of Romero writing, which, you know, very likely doesn't exist, there won't really be another true um, Romero zombie novel, I doubt. Midnight of the Living Dead, inspired by The uh, Office. <laughs> I, sure. I could see something like that. Um, one, one of the other things that I love about you and your work is you do a lot of um, stuff with art in them, you, both for kids and also doing uh, comic book graphic novels. How is the world of the graphic novel different from actually writing a novel, and how do you collaborate with artists who draw? Well, um, it's, I don't have a ton of experience in them, but I'm, I'm currently working on um, a, a bunch of stuff in that vein. I'm, I'm actively writing a couple uh, graphic novels and a couple comic book series, three of which aren't announced yet. So, um, so something I'm doing a lot of... A lot hey, of if you want to announce it, you can go right ahead. It's just the three of us. We won't say <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's very different. It's um, it's much more to me. It's much more like outlining a book um, because everything's done in such uh, simplified strokes. Um, it's it's much more akin to a screenplay, uh, and but it it, it uses blocks of information in a way that is pretty unique um, that you don't get in books and you don't get in screenplays. Um, you're, you're, you're constantly having to think about uh, the physical layout on the page, which is just unusual. You have to, you're having to think about how does, how does the page look? What does the page turn like? Uh, what is, the, is the page segue from the bottom of the left-hand page to the top of the right-hand page? And so editing becomes much more difficult because it, it, if you wanted to add something in, it, it throws off your right page and your left page, um, and everything is a, is a row of dominoes that, that falls very quickly. So it's, there's almost a not quite mathematic aspect to it, but, but certainly one that's... Uh, very um, architectural, where you're 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 really building shapes and supports and uh, working less off the cuff than I think you could in a novel. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, um, interesting. I'm, um, I'm also curious. Why do you think readers enjoy being creeped out and scared? Well, I mean, I don't have any answer better than, than things that I've heard that seem legit to me, which is just that it's uh, catharsis. It's, it's uh, you know, if, if you're in a scary movie or, hell, if you're even just in real life and something scary happens, there's a shock, you know. Immediately what you do when the shock passes, you laugh. Um, and there's a, there's a pleasurable... Uh, come down from a scare 
so I think that activates pleasure centers. You know, I think it's just uh, it's literally pleasurable to the, the body to to be scared in a way that's not truly threatening. Uh, and you know you've been scared, and now you can kind of laugh at it, and you can feel this kind of tingle go through your your blood and your fingertips. Uh, and I, you know, I think we live and we have always lived in a scary world. We are we are fleshy, non-armored creatures who bleed easily and don't have a lot of natural protections. Uh, I think when you're, unless you've got horns and antlers and uh, some sort of tougher hide, I think it's natural that you're going to be scared a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh so, you know, this is, horror is a way to exercise that scare and get used to it um, as a sort of trial ground for the real life out there. So you can, you can see, this is what it feels like to be scared, and I got past that. Um, it, you know, going through various levels of horror in books or film is like growing up, you know, and, and striking out on your own and going out alone for the first time thinking, okay, I went too far. That was scary, and then going out a little bit further the next time, and you're always testing your limits and your boundaries. And, uh, I think horror, they, they the word. I mean, I've read reports that say horror fans are doing much better in dealing with uh, the pandemic and quarantine than than non-horror fans, just because they've sort of they've sort of worked their psyche has worked through a lot of these issues in a way that other people haven't. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't think about that. I, I never even thought of that. That's yeah, yeah exactly. That. That's true. I mean, let's face it. The book is called The Living Dead, and I think we all feel a little bit like that in the year 2020, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's sort of the oldest, the oldest not a joke, but reference to the living dead as a as a thing right. is that you know we're the living dead. Uh, the the zombies the title does not refer to the zombies uh, it's like a fake out it's like ultimately we're the ones who are are living lives that uh, we're, we're killing ourselves we are the killers uh, and the the killed and there's there's no sense to it it's we're just in a metaphorical way we're just all standing around shooting guns at each other for no particular reason true. Yeah. Uh, so now, anything that you got going on with your own writing coming up here uh, is the best place to find all that out at Daniel Kraus K R A U S dot com. Your website is that the best place for all the all the new information. That is the absolute best place. Yeah, that will send you off into any other any other social media or whatever I'm up to currently. As far as new stuff. Um, I had a book just come out called They Threw Us Away, which is a, a kid's book, but a very dark kid's book about... It looks dark. Bears. I was wondering if it was a kid's yeah. book when I saw the cover. I'm like, but that looks like um, like really scary stuffed animals that are pissed. Yeah. <laughs> they're, not, they're not pissed, but they're... Uh, they're okay, the one on the cover, dude, that guy looks pissed. <laughs> I, I mean, I could, I, could, I could see that. Uh, yeah, he's, he's he's more haunted, but anyway. Yeah, he's going after Yogi because he wants honey, dude. Because or he's going after Winnie the Pooh because he wants honey because that dude looks pissed. <laughs> His posture is a little bit 
pissed off, isn't it? Yeah. And then the one in the uh, background is like, you got the honey yet? Because I'm waiting. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, that that yeah. one, the, the background is, is legitimately pissed, I can tell you. Yeah, that. see, I knew somebody was pissed on this cover. <laughs> so there's that that's out now, and that's the first cool. in the trilogy. So book two and three will be out the next two years. Um, and then I have my comic book, The Autumnal. Um, as of this recording, the, only the first issue is out, but um, there's seven more issues that will come out monthly. Nice. Now, who is that with? Is that Dark Horse or no? Who's the... That's with Vault Comics. Okay, the Vault. Okay, I couldn't tell because I like I collect comics. I mean, I pretty much just collect DC. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I do collect comics. I'm a member of Comicsology, so I can get all those nice comics every month, and I, I like to read them. Yeah. So, well, oh, yeah. Well, check out the autumnal if you, if you like horror stuff. Cool. Is it on? Is it on Comicsology? Yeah. 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 Oh, nice. Yeah, I was just reading one. I don't know if you've seen it or not. I don't know if you're a big core, uh, horror comic guy about side of your own but there's I'm trying to remember who wrote it but it's um it's three storylines and it's Alice in Wonderland but it's her child going back and it's really dark about what Wonderland is and how he does it it's really good it's like going to Wonderland trapped in Wonderland and like escape from Wonderland so I've been reading those and those have been really cool I don't know if you know anything about those no I don't but I'll, I'll uh-huh. check it out yeah, and the art is really, really good, and the stories, it's really well written. So I was really pleased, because I like to read, you know, stuff like that, just to get out some of the superhero kind of things and just read some really nice, gnarly stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's kind of where I, where I land, too. Well, Daniel, man, we want to thank you so much for coming on. It has been an absolute pleasure, of course, to talk to you uh, through George's words onto the page of The Living Dead. Uh, you did a phenomenal job with this thing, and again, it's big enough to kill a zombie, so people, this is your zombie killer right here. And um, that is going to be... And now, uh, is it going to be available in audio book form, too, when it comes out? Yeah, it's, it's out, and the audio is also out. Okay, good. So you can get it however you want it, whatever format, you got it. So, Daniel, man, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate it, and we will talk with you soon. Thank you so much, guys. All right. Thank you. All right, take care. Have a good one.